0: This, this will one never bear. Good evening. Good evening.
1: I got to warn you guys, I have a heart out. Okay. I got, I got, um, I got like 60 minutes.
0: Okay. I got a,
1: I got a birthday party. Should be, so so
0: it'll be a tight show.
1: Be a tight show. We got a lot of great things to talk about, don't we?
0: <laughs> I think we do. I think uh, let's uh, let's fire up the list here. <laughs> that's my sound effect for a list is this really number 28
2: it is oh my gosh but i think it will only published up to 24 24
0: 25 Mm -hmm. which which one are you
2: (laughs) i'm the one who hasn't published anything since 23
1: yeah Mm refresh refresh Refresh, okay, no No looking at the internet while uh, talking at at the internet. So, uh, what document, uh, Ultra Nerd, Uh, should I call you, I'm going to call you Nicholas this time. Are we talking, are you looking at the... Nicholas, Nick,
0: Ultra Nerd, it's all the same.
1: I know, you got to mix it up, right? Yeah. Are are you looking at the Hangout running doc, is that what you're referring to?
0: I was looking at the topic spreadsheet, but I could also open the running doc. I think the running doc is sort of
2: on the outs, (laughs) Am am I wrong? Is it? It's supposed to be. Yes.
1: Okay. I need to update. Uh, I need to update my uh, my system here. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm.
1: Are you talking about TWNA topics?
0: Yeah, that one. Oh, okay. Now, now I'm assuming that Andrew in this is mostly the Andrew Huster, as in Rooster.
3: mm
1: Hmm. Hmm. Right. Hmm. <laughs> I think I just called him Houston last time. <clears throat>
0: okay. Yeah, I mean, it avoids confusion, especially when, you know, there are other Nicks or other Mikes or other Andrews.
1: So many Nicks and Mikes. And but we've,
0: we've got the originals today, so, you know. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you were you I, definitely... I don't think that's actually true.
1: Erm, <laughs> <laughs> um, sir, chronological speaker. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a good show. Wow. <sighs> Big week? Huge week. Oh man, I, I feel like this is like three different shows now. I like what you're doing with it, Mike, because it, it's the rotating thing is fun, mm-hmm. and people don't know what they're going to get. They never know what they're going to get. It's just gonna it's going to show up. It's going to show up on their device, and gonna, I don't know what I'm expecting. Anything could happen.
2: Mm-hmm. It is all over the
0: place. At the same do time, we, do- we have a certain you know themes that tend to repeat. So there's a familiarity. You know, it's it's like a warm <laughs> hug.
1: Hmm. It's like uh, it's like what Slack just told me as I logged in. It said, um, "Be cool, but but stay warm." Mm. And I, th- I thought about that for at least five seconds. It was it's was interesting.
0: My, mine was more philosophical. I think it said, uh, "Do some good today," which I I kind of liked.
1: Does, does that mean uh, oh, maybe I already missed it? Is is this going to be the episode where we try to help people?
2: I try to to help people every episode. <laughs> yeah, I thought we were we were always.
0: <laughs> A, you know, ABH always be helping. ABH, yeah. A-I-D-A. ABC. Yeah, exactly. Mm. CGP,
1: CGP. I, th- I can't believe it's been. So it's Sunday, mm-hmm. and these are the recording days I can usually make it to, and uh, I can't believe it's been a week. It feels like it's been two weeks since I've talked to. Yeah, you weren't you weren't uh, here last time, Nicholas, but. Uh, Mike's always here. Mike Mike is like the omniscient narrator in the story.
2: Mm-hmm. Weaving, yeah.
0: weaving a thread. Breaking the fourth wall.
1: Bre- breaking the fourth wall, rebuilding the fourth wall, breaking it again. Mm. <laughs> oh, boy.
0: You know, we, we need that wall. We need to build <coughs> the fourth wall. I've heard that recently for somewhere. Lots of talk really? about walls. Yeah. Real, really? Huh. No. 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 Uh-huh.
1: Because yeah, because I, I just I'm just pulling from the ether here, um, so yeah, we got some interesting topics
0: Spe- speaking want- of uh, luminiferous ether, did you see mm. there's another uh relativity experiment uh happening?
1: No, no do tell.
0: There were some uh, like navigation satellites, I think, that didn't make it all the way to orbit because the second stage of their rocket failed, so they're you know they're in a decaying orbit right, but mm. they have atomic clocks on board. Uh, so, they're going to use them to very precisely measure the passage of time in Earth's gravity well and confirm general relativity.
1: Really? That's super yeah. cool. That's Because otherwise, cool.
0: they're just junk satellites. Like, they're just, they're yeah. in the wrong orbit. They can't be used what they were meant for. But uh, yeah, I thought that was a very neat uh, space thing.
1: Uh, you should put that on the robot uh, when you have a chance. I'd like to read about that. Maybe we can put it in show notes or something. I think I, yeah the, let me
0: find it i i uh i, I tweeted about it uh last week okay
1: tweet explaining how how um while he looks for that um how, uh how's it, has it been um with all the the volume of the shows going up mike dealing with the you you're still primarily the editor of of this uh this beautiful uh chaos mm-hmm. right
2: uh it has been a lot better now that I'm limiting the number of people at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, still, it's taking me longer than I'd like to get episodes out. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it seems like what we talk about is, for the most part, evergreen. So uh, it's kind of like, you know, The Incomparable will do the same thing. They'll record something and not release it for three to four weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of weird because they do live shows. Mm-hmm. There. But, um, call
1: it stacking. Mm
2: hmm. Stack them up. I don't feel a huge hurry to get them out. I just try to get at least one a week. Um, and if I yeah. can get a flurry of a f- two or three, then that's, that's good too.
1: You stack them up. And, and that way, when, when, um, uh, you know, when, when there's a gap or when there's some, you know, holiday thing, uh, mm-hmm. you could theoretically try to fill the gap in. You still have to do work to, to get that. Going though, I'd be interested to hear. Like, uh, as nerdy as this is, uh, I would I would assume nerds are our main proponent of our very very good looking and intelligent audience. And uh, as nerdy as it is, I'm curious. What is your? Have you like figured out stuff to really speed it along? Like, do you have like a script now? Where, okay, now I've got. I'm guessing you just shoot MP3s out of Logic. And have you tried to automate that a little bit more? Because I'm trying to automate that with my own. Very infrequent podcast. <laughs> I, I'm interested how people uh, make the sausage, but not literally because I'm a vegetarian.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, well, I don't. I use Audacity because I'm on Windows. Uh, oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Actually, I guess there is logic for Windows. I'm not sure. I think there might be, mm-hmm. but don't quote me. Don't quote me on that. Mm-hmm. But I think that also costs money. <clears throat> yes. windows so yeah i'm using audacity and i think if i had a more powerful powerful program uh, it would make editing a lot easier there's a lot Mm. of things i struggle with Mm. in audacity like just the way the sound clips all work um you know my Mm. track is one big sound clip and if i want to break that up i have to break them up individually and Shifting well, things we- around is is uh, is a problem.
3: Mm. Yeah, you I f- mean, it's- I found
0: that when I was editing, what was it, episode 10, and I was gluing a couple of clips together, and I, it seemed like I had to like just keep dragging and dragging and dragging everything to one side to mm-hmm. get
2: the clips to mm. go where I wanted. Right. And there may be a way around that with Audacity, and I just don't know it. Mm. Um, maybe I need to take a, a class on Linda or something.
1: Linda. Someday. Mm. Someday we could be sponsored. I will. I'll do the ad spot for Linda. Maybe. I feel like I've heard so many ad spots now that I could, I could almost just riff one off if I wanted to, but uh, I will not. That's pretty cool. So you you saying that it's just one? You've just got one track?
2: I have two tracks myself and the Skype call.
1: Okay. Yeah, tracking it up. So has the bell become the default chapter marker?
2: Um it has become the default. I'm tearing out some something <laughs> because it's not entertaining or inappropriate or something. It's uh 20
1: minutes about beep.
2: <laughs> what what one, one of us is hacking up a lung. <laughs> Yeah. So oh, man. There's a, a, something in the background that makes the audio unusable. Mm. Uh-huh. Um I, th- I think I, that works pretty well. You get a little bit of a... hmm It's just it's clear. Yeah. And I would like to really distill every episode down to the really essential parts, <laughs> the the funniest, the mm. most informative. But we're so we don't really segment that way where we're riffing off of everything we've said before. And so it's so hard to trim something out without and, and not put, leave some reference later that, that makes no sense.
1: You know, this reminds me a lot of some of the early episodes um, of, of a podcast that I used to do um, called almost a joke. And, and it was the same problem. It was like the stuff was cumulative and then you want to edit it. You're like, uh, what
0: am I supposed to do?
1: <laughs> and you'd have to leave some stuff in.
0: Yeah. It's uh, just callbacks all the way down
1: to pay mm-hmm. it. Yeah. What does the earth sit on?
2: I think JavaScript in calls s- those promises. <laughs>
1: <laughs> JavaScript callbacks. <laughs> yeah. No. I don't know. And it, it's, it's hard editing. Editing is full of difficult decisions. Mm hmm. Um so yeah I, I feel your pain but I th- I think that it's been turning out uh pretty well and I think the more that uh you know the longer the show goes on the more you'll be able to automate it and figure out these little shortcuts hopefully
2: yeah so now for now what I do is um I listen through um if there are parts that can come out then I trim them out um I uh, try to strip silence, So getting ahead mm. of um, overcast in that department. Uh, <laughs> but I strip uh, I, all. I bring all the silences down to something like point seven seconds or something like that. Mm. Is there uh, a
1: way to automate that?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Audacity has a filter that will do that. Ooh, uh, most programs do mm. have something like that.
1: Hmm. Logic probably has that, and I can't even find it.
0: I figured that can't throw off the rhythm of things too much because I usually listen to shows with smart speed and overcast now, and it never feels unnatural. You know, who knows how long somebody's actually pausing between thoughts.
1: Or have you just gotten really used to it, Nicholas?
0: Probably a bit of that. I mean, if I listen to a show live now, I'm like, why is everyone speaking so slowly? Because <laughs> <laughs> I usually listen at 1.5. Who are these people, mere mortals?
1: Yeah, I, I
0: I met I met uh Mike, I Mike in person at the, when he was in Portland for XOXO and it was very strange like seeing him and hearing him talking like a normal human being.
1: <laughs> I Mike Hurley is cool. He's 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 straight up cool. You ever hear um Oh, I should ask before I forget. Uh, did I hear correctly, N- Nicholas? You you edited episode ten, or was it a collaborative
0: thing? Uh, I may be misremembering the number. No, I think it was eight, nine, and ten. I did because we we that was one of those huge mess episodes, and it it went on like two sure. and a half hours. Sure,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There They're
0: was just- some there was some good stuff in there, but we had to uh, trim the fat a little bit.
1: Okay, I think I. Th- think that's coming back to me now
0: you you were on that one i know <laughs> or at least you're on long. the beginning of it
1: i was on i was on an episode between five and ten that's all i'm gonna commit to mm-hmm. my my memory is not the greatest unfortunately it's it's a weakness <clears throat> that's why i take notes i'm hearing a weird sound
0: that would be my dog i'm not sure what he wants
2: what Dar- kind of uh, darcy the dog there's
1: the dog. Well, those turned out good. I, I, yeah, I really. I think people who haven't had to take uh, potentially two plus hours of of audio and cut it down to something thirty percent the original length. If you've never had to do that, it's it's it can be harder than you think to make that a good cohesive, you know, something that sounds like it flows together. Like it was not edited. Editing is like makeup, right? Editing is like makeup. Like you don't want to think about it, but it helps. Mm -hmm. You can quote.
0: Like it's supposed, it's supposed to seem like it's not there is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly.
1: Thank you. (laughs) You said it better than I did.
0: I, I was always terrible. Like, I mean, I don't do any kind of formal writing now other than emails at work. And those aren't exactly formal, but, uh, Man, in school I just did, you know, I just poop out a paper, like just stream of consciousness, dump the <laughs> words on the page. Uh, you know, ha- half the time convince myself by the end of a completely different point than my opening thesis it seemed like. And I don't know, it it went okay that way, but probably I should have edited more, you know.
1: Mhm. Mhm. I um being being a being a writerly person i would say that the magic happens in the editing absolutely that's where the magic happens cuz that's where you figure out what you're trying to say but that's I don't know that's if,
0: been my impression of of people i know i mean obviously you and and a few other people i interact with regularly who are uh, published writers is their their editor is a huge factor in their mm-hmm. success and happiness with the final work
1: mhm and if you're really lucky you have multiple people who you consider Good editors that you know really help you are really shameless and not you know because the hard thing I mean obviously you can have a you have you have a paid editor which is fantastic but you want more than that too because um, more eyeballs the better and it's it's really uh, it's really good when you have people in your life who are really smart who also don't mind crapping over something you may have put hundreds of hours into because it's better to have that feedback early on and know how to fix it. You know, usually it's just a matter of tweaking like that last 20%. That 80, 20 rule, I think really applies to, to writing as well.
0: That that makes sense. Yeah. But this doesn't have to be uh, the writing show. (laughs) Isn't, uh, editing something that you're, uh, never supposed to have a significant other do.
1: You know, I've heard that both ways. Um, Uh, I, I, I know, I know other independent authors who their significant other is their primary editor, which I, I wouldn't do, but I think, I think it depends. It depends. Depends. Right. (laughs) Um, like my, my special lady, I'll, I'll use the Merlin term. Um, she's been, she's been, she's not my, you know, you know, a de facto editor, but she's been really, really helpful, um, in the editing phase. Definitely. Uh, but I think it really depends on the, on the personalities of both people. I don't know. I don't know if you can apply a hard, fast rule.
0: Yeah, probably not. It's a, it's a trite. I think, uh, some fairly famous author was somebody who said that, but now I'm forgetting who it was. So, you know, we can cut this all out.
1: <laughs> was it, was it? No, keep it in, keep it in. Cause we got to talk about Hemingway. Was it Hemingway?
0: It, it easily could have been Hemingway. I mean, it seems like the sort of thing he would say, you know, while sipping mojitos in Cuba.
1: Because if it was Hemingway, I laugh. I laugh and I laugh some more. Do you know Hemingway's like, I don't want to get all gossipy, but he's dead now, so it's okay, right? Um, he was, uh, he, he had a very interesting love life that was mostly chaotic. So I'm not inclined, having read about his interpersonal relationships, I'm not super inclined to take his advice about that. Particular thing. It's that,
0: uh, pe- that, people that curious. Yeah,
1: pe- people curious should look that up and how he was going after one woman while he was. I don't know. I, I don't remember the whole thing, but it, it's he was very. Um, he was very dramatic. Very dramatic. Like I was reading the story, and I'm like, this sounds like a high school thing. This is like a guy in his late thirties.
0: I was I guess, just. Uh, some people
2: never never leave high school. <laughs> I don't know. Well, speaking yeah. of uh, having your spouse edit you, it reminds me of a time my wife and I were in some class together, um, not college class, like some adult here probably something to do with adoption or something and uh, so the speaker was talking, and I leaned over to her and said, "Should I speak up and make this joke?" Um, <sighs> oh no, kind of using her as a uh, uh, filter, I guess, or an editor. Uh, Of my real time speech
1: Uh, sounding board.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And, uh, she says, no, you shouldn't do that. (laughs) And then about 30 seconds later, some other guy speaks up and makes the exact joke. And kills kills the room, you know. Everybody thought it was hilarious. I turned to my wife and I said, well, he told the joke. And she says, well, he probably didn't ask his wife.
3: That's
1: that almost sounds like a Seinfeld bit. <laughs> oh man, yeah. can you can you share what the joke was, or, or is it? Uh... I, I don't even remember. Okay,
3: huh?
0: I I feel I run into the reverse of that on uh, on Twitter. You know, you uh, you have that moment of hesitation. You're about to make a joke back at someone, and then you look at their mentions and you see that like seven people have done it already,
1: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. have attached clever animated gifs to support the joke.
0: Uh, perhaps <laughs> edited the target, you know, into a full-length video of some sort, you know, just really taking it next level.
1: Yeah. 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 And then when, you know, you're like, I got better things to do with my day.
2: Exactly.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, editing and picking out the good parts kind of segues into something that I've wanted to discuss with people, and that is we did a Star Wars episode. Um Nick was on was Nick on that? Nick
0: was not No, I, I missed that one. I think mm-hmm. that was Jay
2: Becker and Wonder Yak and AQ,
0: maybe? Hmm.
2: Possibly. I should do a better job of saying who's in the episode <laughs> in the description.
1: I'm so waiting for voice recognition to get to the point where we can just throw an audio file into a magic program, and it finds out who's speaking and the main topics.
0: Oh, that exists. It's just really, really expensive.
1: <laughs> okay, well, it's going to come.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, um, yeah, the there are... Um, I'm so happy. forward to that. There, there was one that was a spinoff that was connected to the company I work for there was uh, almost 10 years ago now called Podzinger. And I think they were trying to, like, get, you know, NPR and um, all these different networks to, like, shove Podzing- all their... Yeah. Well, it was. Podsinger
1: singer you know, sounds like an Adam Curry thing.
0: Yeah, it was two thousand six, two
3: thousand seven. Zing. Like
0: and yeah, I think they were really trying to get all these uh, mostly radio networks to sign up and and yeah. have you know everything indexed. And I don't think it went anywhere. Like nobody was buying. I, mm. I'm sure the I'm sure the uh, crash mm-hmm. had something to do with it. You know, nobody was mm. going to spend money on analysis when there's unpaid interns to listen to your shows.
1: It's a good experience.
0: Yeah. Uh, Exposure.
1: You're right. That's a better word for it. So that does – I did not know that existed as a mostly working product. Um, I know Google probably has some stuff internally. That's how they do some of their things. But um,
0: As far as I know, it's not a thing. It's not a piece of software that you can go out and buy. It's mm-hmm. almost certainly beyond what you know, open source uh, scale could do.
1: Yeah, well, it's probably distributed. They probably probably have to have like hundred teraflops of magic. Well,
0: it's 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 not so much the algorithm as the training data that's hard.
1: Mm. Hmm. I'm sorry, Mike. I feel like we got off your question. <laughs> no, it's
2: okay. Uh, w- what was your question? So we we had the episode about Star Wars and. There were just amazing, and it, uh, it was an amazing discussion about what people did not like about the uh, new trilogy, the second trilogy.
1: Is this uh, an unreleased episode?
2: Uh, no, it's number 21, An Old Hope.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I listened
2: <laughs> to that one. <laughs> and at, Sorry. And at one you, point, you don't, yeah, uh, very uh, politely... Jason tried to pull me into the discussion by asking me about my opinion about it. And it k- kind of uh, opens up a problem that I have where if I f- see a piece of media, a movie, or if I read a book or a TV show or something like that, that I have a response to it. I like it. I don't like it. I'm in the middle. But I struggle to figure out how to quantify those feelings about media, like what I liked okay. about it, what I didn't like about it. Um, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's a skill that if I'm going to be a podcaster, you need to have opinions and you need to be able to explain why you have said opinions rather hmm. than, Oh yeah, I liked it or oh, I didn't like it.
3: Hmm.
1: So if I'm hearing you correctly, you feel that to, you feel that to uh, become the podcaster that you you want to move toward, you feel you should have more um, granularity uh, and maybe be able to explain with more detail your opinions
0: and biases. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You, you need an ontology of, of opinions.
1: <laughs> you know, I don't know. Oh. Call me crazy, but I think the fact that you... I don't know, I feel like the fact that you're not super opinionated and you you uh you ask questions can be a good thing mm-hmm. in a lot of the shows that you're on, but if you want to explore the other side of that and I say more power to you, I mean I don't know um I mean I'm sure you I'm sure I, maybe it's a question of just asking the right questions that's such a weird thing I just said um <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, that surely there's a reason why, uh, you don't like episode one, you know, in the way that you don't like it. You might, you might like parts of it.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and, uh, I'm going to flip a switch. So this might sound weird. How's that Boom. sound? Hold on. Hold on. I was expecting something to happen. What happened? Okay. I just switched my, uh, mixer. You sound louder. I switched my mixer from, uh, stereo to mono. <laughs> you,
1: say, you switch it from 10 to 11. <laughs> These go to 11. Mm-hmm.
0: I have to do now, that. Now, do you rate things on an 11-point scale? Because <laughs> <laughs> It's one more. Yeah, you're, you, you're always saving that 11.
2: <laughs> See, now here's the problem. I'm talking about something very uninteresting, settings on my mixer, and you guys are turning it into something good, and now I can't cut out the boring part. <laughs> I
1: know, I know. It's because I'm evil. Um, <laughs> it's, more, it's more just
0: misguided, right? Yeah, it's misguided. So I feel no, I'm like good. I
1: like to rep that I'm that I'm a villain sometimes, just because I never get the chance to. I have a degree in horribleness. What were you gonna say, Mike?
2: Uh, I feel like I should hate the Phantom Menace more, and mm-hmm. that I it, my inability to pick apart the parts I <clears throat> like and dislike mm-hmm. in episode one versus episode six. Mm-hmm. Um, is hindering my developing my hatred for the, these movies.
0: Mm. I mean, hey, I, I can sorry. tell you why I don't, why I don't hate the Phantom Menace as much as uh, I should in terms of expectations for my nerd demographic. And that's hmm. cause I was babysitting a six year old the summer mm-hmm. after it came out. And all he wanted to do was watch like the pod racing scene <laughs> Mm. so i was i think i was inoculated against it in in a way that i'm just like yeah you know it's it's a part of the movie you know the the parts that are problematic are just and i don't that was wrong i don't mean problematic like (laughs) capital p problematic (laughs) problematic (laughs) you know because there's like uh some i don't know there's slavery and uh potentially arguably racist portrayals of certain characters and all these other factors. But, uh, uh what I meant was, I feel like I,
1: I'm restraining myself saw... not to do a Jar Jar impression right now. Keep Yeah. Going. Yeah.
0: Anyway, I saw a young kid who was absolutely the target of that movie, enjoying the parts of it that are supposed to be unenjoyable over and over again. And that, you know, influenced my, I don't, I wouldn't say I love it, but I don't, Hate it to the level i'm I feel mm. like I'm supposed to hate it
3: mm.
1: so you almost got to would it be fair to say that you you saw it through that kid's eyes in a way yeah I well, mean as
0: close as as close as you can get, I mean I, you know yeah. it's it's obviously uh, let's see, I would have been seventeen at the time when I was babysitting, and I think he was five going on six or maybe he had turned six at that point.
1: Mm. Hmm. hmm. no, that makes a lot of sense. I like the pod racing scene as well. Incidentally.
2: <laughs> it's yeah, a think, movie.
1: It's
0: a yeah. movie. Yeah, Actually, now that I think about it, I mean, I'm not in, in contact with that kid anymore, but he'd be what? Uh, driving now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah? Something like that. So, you know, he, he probably, probably has his own pod racer. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: I was going to say, flying down the freeway
0: like he's driving a pod. <laughs> I mean, once the pod race gets in you, it never leaves, right?
1: Mm.
2: Yeah. When well, pa uh, Race maybe get into you, a good round of antibiotics.
1: Uh oh, well, um, that's a that's a really good story, Nicholas. I feel weird calling you Nicholas. I'm gonna call you, um, Ultraman.
0: Uh, Nick, Nick is fine too. Whatever works. Nick? Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, what if I call you Ultra Nick?
0: Nah, that's weird. That's <laughs> too that's weird. That's that's too much of a mashup. <laughs>
1: You sound... Nick sounds like um, like a Transformers character. I'm not going to do
2: that. I'll call you Nick. Yeah. <laughs> um, If I... <laughs> it sounds like the most boring <laughs> Transformer ever. <laughs>
1: Where's <Alter> Nick? <laughs> Can you flang my voice just a which little is, bit? I don't which make, is weird. I don't want to make it hard. Go ahead.
0: Because <laughs> uh, it isn't... Um, oh, no, wait. I'm thinking Ultron. No, who's the... Oh, no. Unicron. I think you're is thinking of have.
1: Age of Ultron.
0: Yeah, no. I'm thinking Unicron is the big bad in the in the '80s Transformers movie. Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I haven't seen that one.
0: Oh, that, it's an experience. Anim- it's animated. It's hmm. '80s. Uh, hmm. It's got uh, Leonard Nimoy as the voice of Dark Megatron or whatever he. No, he's Megatron, and then what does he turn into?
1: No way. Okay, I'm sold. I want to see it if Leonard Nimoy's voice is involved.
0: Yeah, or is he huh. Unicron? I forget. Anyway. It's He's... been a
2: while,
1: <laughs> Unitard.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> for some reason, I'm uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: I think you're thinking Leotard. Hmm?
2: For some reason, I enjoy all things. Uh, uh, I've already forgotten. I enjoy all things Transformers, except for mm. the m- movies. Mm. Uh, there's the the 80s cartoon, and they also in the late 2010s did. No, we're in the mid 2010s, so that's not possible. Early 2010s mm-hmm. did a kind of a computer-generated um, Transformers cartoon.
1: Is that Transformers
2: Prime? Yes, I think so.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at that. I was looking to see if the uh, the 80s animated hilarious show was on Netflix. It is not, but uh, three seasons of Transformers Prime are.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think those. That's are the kind of really
0: just did uh, Beast Wars that's and Beast cool. Machines. Mm.
2: I think there were only three uh, seasons to start with. They only Hmm. did three. Hmm. 21st
1: century reboot of the classic kids TV series won three Daytime Emmy
2: Awards for animation. Hmm. Turns
0: out... Now, do you Um, have a lot
2: of the toys, Mike? No, I don't have any toys,
1: actually. I had a Transformers toy when I was growing up, and it was amazing. It turned into a jet, and then it turned into a walking guy, and it was like... It was, like, over a foot tall.
2: Well, if you're talking about when uh, we were kids, I, I had three or four. I can't remember if I had Transformers or if I had GoBots, but I had one or the other.
1: Weren't those, like, some of the coolest toys? Like, legitimately, like, a toy that can turn into another thing and they could turn into the other thing and looks cool in both configurations. Mm-hmm. That's, that's That's a pretty cool idea.
2: I was always blown away that they figured out how to do it because in a cartoon, you just... You know, kind of, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, this folds into this. Sure it does. We don't have to actually figure out how it happens. And then you go to a toy designer he's like, yeah, I need uh, a robot that turns into a car. And I need it to be under $20. Can you
1: imagine how much R&D goes into figuring out just the angles on those joints?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> It's I think
0: I, I gather that there was a period where like they changed manufacturers or something and transformer toy fans were really angry because the joint quality went way down I don't know i I, I really? remember hearing that at some point yeah
3: hmm.
0: i uh, I have to imagine though that like maybe now they do more with computer simulation and like f- you know spatial folding algorithms and stuff but in the past it just had to be you were an experienced hmm. transformer designer. You knew how to make things fold into other things.
1: Hmm. Sounds like something that would be uh, designed in Japan and just kick butt.
2: I'm, yeah. I'm Googling. My uncle has a Bumblebee transformer from the movie. I and was really actually... hoping
1: you were going to say, I'm sorry. I was, I was just gonna say, I was really hoping you were going to say has a, has a website dedicated transformers <laughs> and then we could all go to your uncle's website
2: well, if you ever stumble upon the Transformers wiki, uh, it is hours of enjoyment because it is written uh, in a very sarcastic style. Mm. It's one of its hallmarks. Mm. But I can't find the exact model, but it is about two feet tall, and it's made of metal. And, I mean, it looks Ooh. like an actual robot. And uh, he had it in his office for a while, and then my nephew went in there one day. And, uh, no, it turns out okay. He managed to fold it down into the car and my uncle had no idea you could even do that.
1: Oh, (laughs) children, not afraid. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Was he, was he, was he mad at first? He's like, you broke it. Oh, wait, it's not broken. (laughs) You're smarter than me. And then he handed the child his Transformers Certificate of Achievement.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Title. <laughs> oh my gosh.
2: I wish I could find a picture of this, but I don't even know what to Google for. I did large bumblebee transformer. I don't know. Do
1: you, have a, so, you guys have a favorite Transformer?
2: Uh, I assume we all have the same kind same one. Which one? Optimus Prime.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Hmm.
2: I don't see how you could choose another one if you grew up in the
0: eighties.
3: Uh, mm.
0: uh, see, I I missed that wave, honestly. Although I'm pretty sure I've tried most of the Transformers from that generation because I had some friends in high school who were collectors, and so they had them all. And if I was hanging out at their house, we'd be watching a movie, and I'd just be doing all their transformers back and forth.
1: Didn't they have a great sound effect? I, I'm I'm like a nerd for foley. Didn't they have a great sound effect for the transforming sound. It was like or something yeah, like exactly. that. Oh my god, it's so good! It's probably like a it's probably like a squash, like being stepped on by like an Uggaboot. boot.
0: I I imagine it's like a very, you need a very particular, like, vintage synthesizer to make it or something.
1: (laughs) You need a Moog. Mm Mm-hmm. Or um, maybe, uh, maybe like a Ziploc bag full of that green slime from the Nickelodeon things.
2: Gak. Gak.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Nickelodeon Gak.
2: So to circle back to what we were talking about, uh, forming opinions about things. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I did have a question for you about that.
2: Okay. Well, I have a question for you guys. Okay. When you are coming up with why you hate The Phantom Menace, <laughs> is it through, do you just sit there and think about it, or does it happen while you're watching the movie, or or like, like I said, do you sit there and reflect, or is it in discussion mm. with friends? You know, mm. What is your process for figuring out why you <clears throat> like or don't like something and hmm. is it is it something instantaneous or do you have to work at it?
0: Hmm.
1: That's a really great question. And that could apply to huge that could that could get so huge too. You could apply it to anything. You can go first, Nick.
0: Um hmm. I think so there I would say there are very few movies that I strongly dislike on first viewing. Hmm. Um and I think well, so here's a good example. Um, Star Trek Into Darkness. I was <laughs> enjoying it a fair bit. We went to see it in a group of friends. The lights come up at the end and mm-hmm. two of them immediately start talking about everything that was wrong with it. Like that was their <laughs> response. And meanwhile, mm-hmm. I was kind of just coming off this high of like, wow, that was a you know, fun movie. It felt mm-hmm. you know, a little more Star Trek than the previous J.J. Abrams entry to me. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it was an experience.
0: Yeah, and and so I think what yeah, I actually had a, a contrarian reaction. Well, of oh, if these people are immediately criticizing and disliking it and picking it apart,
3: mm-hmm.
0: I uh, I should defend the mm-hmm. parts the the parts that brought me joy as a longtime Trekkie. Mm-hmm. Um, now that's a that's a weird specific case because that's a you know a, a brand or or whatever that I've had a relationship that i can't even remember exactly when i first saw star trek you know mm, um same but i think increasingly my enjoyment or dislike of a movie now especially since we mostly watch movies at home is Lee and i you know we'll just talk during the movie and be like oh or yeah or whatever
1: <laughs> as it's happening hmm it's a good answer um I'm thinking about this in terms of movies and, and, and really everything. Like I think the question you you might be I feel like there's a question inside of your question or, or maybe just like a question at the root of it, which is how how do we form an opinion, good or bad, about uh, a work of art? That's Did a good question. That? Well okay, but is isn't it kind of the same question? It's just like a more general rephrasing of it? Because a, a film is a work of art. It might be a piece of crap, but or it might be an amazing masterpiece, but it it it's still, you know, an artistic expression. A lot of people made it. Um, so would and that be even, think-
0: even a you know universally panned movie mm-hmm. has lots of individual artistry inside of it. Like you said, there might have been mm-hmm. some amazing Foley work on a terrible movie.
3: Mm-hmm
1: or there might've been some great choreography in a, in a movie with uh, a really, um, mediocre plot. Um, did, did, is that, is that a fair rephrasing of the question, Mike? Mm-hmm. Sure. Sort of. So, uh, I don't know. I think that's something to kind of chew on. Like how, how do we make those opinions? Uh, and I, um, so to answer your question, I would say both. I would say that I, I, I get a feeling when something doesn't, um, when something doesn't agree with the rules that have already been set up in the story, if there are any like, um, contradictions that, that, uh, for instance, like if a character suddenly does something they would never really do just to push the plot forward, I, I roll my eyes. I probably have a different, um, I have, am coming at it from a different place because I write stories. So I'm more, I'm probably more critical of them, but, just like lame stuff, really, you know it can take me out of the experience of watching a film in particular, so mm. that's an experience that's an example where in the moment, I can have a bad opinion about something if it just goes off the deep end um, and but I think most of my opinions come from reflection later um, to answer is, is that yeah. adequately answer what mm-hmm. you're asking
3: mm-hmm.
0: so I think that's interesting because I feel like that's almost describing that the the movie or the book is a viewport into a notional world that otherwise exists, you know, some hypothetical fictional creation that is a functioning uh universe and sure if you want to of, suspend
1: disbelief
0: right but that the viewport can be flawed in various ways and so that's where you get into things like plot holes, production flaws. Yeah. Um, uh, oh do, do you see what i mean like you could yeah, you were just yeah. describing you know how a character would really act so like mm-hmm. there's th- there's this notional world where they're they're a whole um you know person making decisions and reacting to events and uh, obviously and you know an author is setting those all in motion, but then when you feel like there's a flaw in the production or the writing or what have you, it's mm-hmm. exposing you know a a disjoint mm-hmm. thing between what we're seeing and what that world would hypothetically actually be,
1: yeah. Yeah, that's a really, that's a good angle on it. Almost like, almost like all of these, it's, it's almost like the lens is cracked <laughs> and you can't look through or the windows cracked and all of a sudden like it, it mars your whole experience of looking into that world. If, if the glass has got flaws in it. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good way of thinking about it. Oh, wow. um, can I, can I, uh, ask you a question that expands on that one, Mike, Please. since, since because because and I'd ask Nick this too. Do you, does your experience with critiquing um, other kinds of media work the same way? You know, it, it, like for Mike, you specifically said we were talking about movies, and you said, well, you know, you have trouble really defining why you have an opinion about something, which I think is can be challenging sometimes. Sometimes you just come out of something and you're like, that was crap. And I don't even know why. I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes that happens. But, um, I'm curious, like, do either of you have that experience? Is it easier or more difficult if it's a different medium?
2: Um, I would say it's generally not easy for me at all. Um, okay. another medium I think about is video games. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I'll play a game and I'll I won't like it and I, I can't tell you why I don't like it. It's it's just not, I'm just not enjoying it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's even kind of a different experience because you're actively interacting with it. Mm -hmm. So I would expect for me to be able to say, well, the controls are, um, controls are touchy or, or, you know, this, there was some bug or it was buggy everywhere. And, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, some of those things do stand out and you can pick them out pretty easily and say this is why I don't like it but you know you get into some really popular games and everybody loves it and you get in there and you play it for a while and you're just like well it's it's not I don't really enjoy it and I don't know why hmm hmm I think um yeah in,
0: in games like it 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 has something to do with the kind of what what you were saying Andrew like the system seems off you know like the the Something about the feedback loop you get with the inter- interactivity of the game, like what Mike was saying, is like, oh, it's a little too hard to iterate on the success and failure of executing whatever goals the game has, and that's even assuming it's a game that has goals. Um, with books, for me, I think I have two. I have two very different ways of reading, at least with fiction. So there's some fiction where I am reading and I am not consciously aware of the words. I'm just experiencing the story, which I'm sure makes the writer in you cringe because I'm not actually – I'm I'm no longer paying attention to the word craft no, no, in any no, 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 way. My, my,
1: my, my lady does that. Yeah. So, I, so I'm familiar with it.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. So So it's like – you know, you don't. You, you're not aware of the structure of the words. You're just directly experiencing the the ideas because that process has been handed off to kind of a a lower part of the brain, I guess. Um, but I don't even think that's times, necessarily
1: a bad thing. I'm, well, no, sorry.
0: yeah, it's it's I don't if, think it's if, a bad thing if it's the world that you care about. Then that kind of gets back more into that viewport thing. But then there are some books, and and at least for me, particular authors where their choice of language is as much of the experience. So I guess to tie it back to films, I feel like, you know, there are certain directors that have a conscious style and I, I don't know the relevant, you know, film or literary criticism terminology here, but you know, that you can tell that they meant to do something like even, even in little things like there was um, the, the last episode of agents of shield had this moment where the character who was speaking the dialogue was reflected in a mirror over Mm. the shoulder of the character they were talking to. And like, that's a, that's an unusual for television way of framing a shot. It's a very filmic way of framing a shot. You know, the director did that on purpose. You can't just have that happen. Right. Yeah. And I feel similarly with writing, you know, the, the choice of words and the structure of a sentence and particularly, um, you know, so-called garden path sentences where, you're expecting the sentence to go one direction because of your prior reading experience. And it goes another way is like a really great way of the author telling you, you know, Hey, pay attention. Uh, I'm doing something interesting here. Um, the words do matter. I'm not just conducting information into your brain by an efficient mechanism, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. And what you just said, maybe it, a part of it is the way that I write myself. Um, when I'm sending an email or, or even, um, uh, you know, text message, whatever it is, I'm very, it's like information packed. Like whenever I would write a paper in grade school or high school, I always had trouble hitting the, the, the required length because I was able, I'm able to pack so much information into just four or five sentences that, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's all, it's all in there. And it's complete, but uh I, I you know I only have three paragraphs when I need a five page paper. Wow. Maybe I'm a robot like CPG Gray. P- Parsimonious. C- PCP? PCP?
0: C- PCP? C three C- 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 dust.
1: <laughs> Blueprints. Um you know what, Mike? That actually reminds me of how I used to write. Um in and when I was younger, I used to like be super, I'd be super concise and I could still be super concise. I don't know. I always wonder if I got hit in the head when I was like 17 or something. Cause I, I used to be, I wonder if there's a correlation with that, with, um, being really, uh, mathematical programming type mm-hmm. compared to, cause I used to be much more mathematical and I thought I was going to go into science and I ended up doing more uh, artsy fartsy, uh, stuff. But, um, yeah, yeah. I wonder if there's a correlation between those two styles because I notice that people who are more analytical types are, and I say this as an analytical person, but I'm not a programmer. I wonder if programmers are more dis, uh more likely to cram information and be really, really, really concise and uh, concentrated. I think is the word I'm looking for in their in their uh, in their prose. I don't know. It's hmm. a lot to think That's- about.
0: Yeah. It's, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I now want to kind of look into the, the research, the, the psychology of it, because maybe there is some information up out out there that talks about writing style. I've seen some of those bots, you know, where you can paste a sample of your text and it'll tell you who you write like, which I think is interesting. Um, both as a, yeah, both as a, oh, this is your style. And also algorithmically speaking, like how the, how the computer Mm -hmm. decides, um, you know, the, what method they use to, to measure your similar, I think it's usually cosine similarity, um, in a in a high dimensional oh. feature space, but the, whoa, uh, sorry. Yes. <laughs>
1: I want to know what that means. It sounds cool. <laughs> I, I'll,
0: I'll, I'll put something in the bot, but anyway, the, the, there's some really interesting things out there that could maybe tell you about the sort of language you use in your writing <laughs> and not, and not in the <laughs> sort of, pat way of I saying love- oh you write at an eighth grade level or whatever
1: um, <laughs> i've see. i've used those bots and um and those were fun but i've never seen one that actually compares uh, one's prose to another uh let's say living or dead writer that, that's a thing you can actually it'll compare each another person
0: yeah i mean you just need a sufficiently large sample of text and um you know, a good way to measure certain features of that text. And then you can do the math and decide, you know.
1: So you're looking at like word frequency
0: and. Yeah. I mean, it depends on what you want to define. Yeah. Um, But you basically end up with, it's hard to picture because it's more than three dimensions, but you're basically talking about the angle between your writing vector and their writing vector.
1: Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I would love to, to try that out. If there's a link to that, if anybody think, wants to put that in the show notes.
2: I think, I think Mike dropped one in the bot. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's any good, but there it is. Did I
1: miss it? The
2: bot. Oh, okay. Uh, in the uh, Slack. Got so many things up. It's crazy.
1: <laughs> oh, my
3: God.
2: It's interesting. <sighs> I wrote a story. I don't even remember how long ago it was. I'm trying to find it in Google Docs. And I'm curious if I paste it in there, what it's going to say.
1: Um, hmm. I didn't. I didn't I don't even wrote a story, Mike.
2: No one does. So Okay.
1: <laughs> well, uh can you can you tell us like uh you know, what it's like?
2: I th- I am cu- I'm intrigued.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I wanna know. Um
2: Hmm. I don't know. It at the highest level it's kind of like a uh Jacob's ladder or sixth sense kind of reveal at the end. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. I think it's a great I think it's a great even if you don't want to sh- share with anybody I think it's a great exercise in uh like you know personal growth stretching yourself having fun to 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 do to write a story no matter the length if you've never done it before it's you can it's it's a good thing I think it's a good thing for your brain
2: I just had this idea and I threw it all on paper and it is a whole Four and a half pages. And I think uh, it could be much longer if, or I think it should be much longer.
1: Would you say, um, and I got to go in a couple minutes, uh, would you say that it has a beginning and a middle and an end? Yes. Okay. Then you could expand that to any length you want.
2: <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, apparently, I write like Margaret Atwood. Uh, that, nice. That's a pretty good compliment, right? I guess so.
0: Or, or maybe it's just saying you're Canadian sounding. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if a if a robot ever told me I wrote like a Canadian, I could only take that as a compliment. Say that to my face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna make an A joke.
2: She's got a lot of books. Hmm. I've I've
0: only read a handful. Um, I've been meaning to read the Mad Adam trilogy, but I just get behind in the few books I do read.
1: Statistical analysis. Hmm.
2: So the uh, the person who uh, I don't I would say I don't want to be, but who uh, certainly is part of the inspiration for this question and this uh, trying to better learn how to do figure out what I do and don't like about things would be um, Andy Anatko. Um, mm-hmm. For example, he. I mean, he talks about movies and books and opera and just and products, and he can mm. really pull out mm. exactly what it is he does and does not like about everything. And
1: it's a man of many opinions, mm-hmm.
2: but but it, they don't feel arbitrary in the way that
0: I think some opinion havers mm. seem to get across. Yeah, you know, true. That he it feels like he's kind of approaching each particular thing almost in isolation like as a controlled experiment you know exposes himself to the media consumes it you know and then you know pull pulls out the thread that gets at why he likes or doesn't like it maybe some things that's easier you know i think his his rant against family guy is pretty famous mm-hmm. but i haven't heard that one Shots. That's what, like maybe two years ago, mm. I think, on
2: the Anaco Almanac.
1: Almanac.
2: Hmm. I wonder if he has an opinion about cards about humanity or cards against humanity.
3: right
1: I I have an opinion, and then I unfortunately need to go. It's a fun game. Don't play it for three hours straight. Hmm. Because you'll you'll get burnt out. <laughs> Did
2: that once just see here's the problem i can't describe to you why i don't okay. like um you bored it, with card offended uh, yeah more of i would say more offended okay. like we live in this age of um you know respect everybody for for who mm-hmm. they are and and then you play this game where you say things you would never say <laughs> yeah and laugh yeah. at them and yeah. and and really the thing that uh, kind of brought this up is the fact that this is sponsoring uh, a major podcasting network. You know, they they took on Cards Against Humanity as a sponsor, and I think of them as mm-hmm. very inclusive and mm. you know, leading the way in terms of getting uh, other people involved in podcasting. Mm-hmm. And then they take on Cards Against Humanity as an advertiser, and it mm-hmm. just seems opposed to mm. their mission huh
0: yeah i've i've had that thought a little bit i i still have my copy of ch that um i think i got it i actually got it as a gift and it's like it sometimes f- can be fun to play in the right crowd but at the same time you're kind of looking at your cards and thinking like i don't really want to put any of these things together <laughs> mm-hmm. um and i wonder too i mean i think there's a lot of Stuff out there that would say, you know, that it's not just, oh, we'd never say this and we're laughing this one time because it's part of a game, but that every time you expose yourself to that idea, you're like internalizing a little bit of it and making it a little bit okay to say and think that way. And that can be dangerous.
1: That, that is an interesting, I had not thought of it in that way. I think it, like you said, it really depends on the crowd. It really depends on the audience and the mood and all of these things. And, you know, there's a lot of cards that uh, we can't talk about on this show. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I I have a a mixed relationship with Mm -hmm. that game because there have been plays that are legitimately like non-haunting phrases that are some of the funniest things I've ever heard in my entire life. So it's it's a kind of thing where I think it really depends on on your sense of humor, um, and yeah, uh, and it's very personal. Humor is very personal. And with that, I need to go. But it was it was a lot of fun, you guys.
2: Yeah, thanks. I I think uh, this was a good show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a great show. Thank you. Yeah, sorry. I wish you could stick around longer. I feel like we're, almost. Me too. It's.
1: You guys can keep talking.
2: Well.
0: I, mean, I don't know. We don't. We don't want to do an after show without you. <laughs>
1: oh, thank you. Everybody should go to uh, Mike Beisterfeld's uh, website. It's Mike dot and oh, go wow, to uh, Ultra that Ultra dot nerd.
0: No, no, no. <laughs> I I have not bought out the nerd tld in
1: <laughs> urd.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. If you want to see some of my writing, that that's there. <laughs> some of the topics are. Like, yeah, that Beisterfeld places. I've tried to form an opinion on things. And yeah, failed and yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, you can. You can <laughs> we'll we'll go ahead and end the call. Take take care, guys. All right. Aloha.
0: Bye bye. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Keep those tweets coming. You can find us on Twitter at Never Air Podcast. That's Never Air Podcast. You can also find us at the website our gentleman host, Mike Biesterfeld has created at great expense with his own little fingers to funnel each and every episode directly into the minds and hearts of our listeners. How do you engage that wonderful system? Simply point your web browser of choice to thiswillneverair.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you listen again next time. And until then, keep slamming those Tim Tams.